Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, weavers of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorn and Bone Daddy as your hosts, we wish to help you as players and game masters, from the aspiring to the veteran, with questions, ideas, and interviews for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. Uh, welcome to a new episode of This Dungeon is Occupied. Uh, today we are talking about warlocks. From the player's handbook of DD 5e, uh, owned by Watsi. Not us, I wish, but you know. Anyway, you know, I mean, hey, Watsi, if you ever want to sell it to us uh, for like a dollar, um, I got you a dollar. I um, up it. I got I got five. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh. I mean, we, we could all get together and come up with like maybe 20. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, a paperclip. Ooh. Hey, see, we can we can fold the 20 and put the paper clip on there to make it look fancy. And it's like uh, a cheap money clip. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> with a pseudo dragon curled on his shoulder, a young elf in golden robes smiles warmly, weaving a magical charm into his honeyed words and bending the palace sentinel to his will. As flames spring to life in her hands, a wizened human whispers the secret name of her demonic patron, infusing her spell with fiendish magic. These are two paragraphs from uh, the Warlock section of the Player's Handbook, um, and those are my favorites. Uh, so, I mean, Warlocks are a half-caster, so let's, let's, uh, let's get into it. Well, what's, before we even get to... Um, features and stuff i know bone daddy you're you're all about it but how do we feel about warlocks just as a concept well um i love warlocks because warlocks embody um every fic every fictional horror story that i i truly enjoy like people people who worship like eldritch terrors or people who have like gazed upon otherworldly beings and have gone mad um, those are like my favorite types of stories to play, to run. Like, I'm just like, let's be weird guys. And so warlocks embody that because of the whole dynamic between your daddy Patreon and your, uh, <laughs> and you, like, you're just like, yes, daddy, please give me magic. And okay. Daddy, if, you, this- if you have a daddy on Patreon, that doesn't belong here. <laughs> it's a, it's a patron. <laughs> Sorry, a patron. My bad. A Patreon patron. My, my patron daddy sorry uh. <laughs> so the, okay funny story uh there is a tiktok and i'm gonna have to try and uh, find her username but she talks about a character build where essentially it's like a um a a, a trust fund baby uh character and her patron is technically her father. Yes, I've seen that one. <laughs> and so she has a daddy, please. Can I have a new spell slot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so what do you think of warlocks? I I actually like uh some of them, uh, as far as like uh the otherworldly patron, which we'll get to. Uh some of them are really cool. Um but I I originally didn't like warlocks because I think in it was either three or 3.5 or something. They didn't really seem that great. I, I think they've gotten better in 5e. Um, oh, much, and, much better. And they've, you know, you have a little bit more um, leeway with what you can do, what you can do RP wise and, and stylize your warlock, you know, to be, you have a little bit more fluidity. Um but I always just remember like, oh, well, if you're playing Warlock, all you're going to do is Eldritch Blast and that's boring. Um, and so now it's it's a little bit better. Um, what about you? I actually, out of all the casters, I like Warlock probably the, the best um, just because it is kind of a half caster. They do have martial abilities. Mm-hmm. So it's not so one dimensional where you're just at the back casting spells warlocks can be frontline a lot sooner than the rest of them yeah and i do enjoy i enjoy frontline characters so uh i do tend to like warlocks better and i'm actually playing one right now that it's it's kind of you know been going really good it's it's got a good idea good core idea yeah but uh it's it's definitely if i had to pick a, a spellcaster it would be it would be warlock yeah. or late little cleric 
Yeah. Late, late level cleric. <laughs> I, just, I just really enjoy the dynamic and the role play aspects of warlocks. Yeah. Well, it's because it's because you can play a warlock essentially like your your um your magic giver because i'm not i'm i'm gonna mess it up again <laughs> um your magic <laughs> giver is uh can either be like your can be someone who plays a direct line in like assisting you or like a direct line in knowing or aware of you um and not in the same sense of like a cleric but in the sense of like they directly connect with you like you can like talk to them and stuff or it could even be like the the royal genie one where you where you find like the the genie's bottle and it, it like it's contained in an aspect of uh yourself or my favorite one to play is that this thing is not a god because it's a force of nature like an eldritch horror or even um even uh my god my tiamat or even tiamat being like (laughs) being a magic giver to the warlock because they're so vast and so large they don't even notice that you're siphoning a piece of their power away like oh that'd be a that'd be a good angle to play yeah Yeah. like they don't know like they they're so large a creature you're so insignificant to them that the when you pull magic from them it's like a a fraction of a fraction of their abilities. Oh, <laughs> oh, I just got an NPC idea from hell. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's I got, so large. I, I got an NPC idea for a warlock with like maybe a, a level or two in, in rogue mm-hmm. and is literally stealing the power. Ooh. Like doesn't ask for it, doesn't give it, found a found a book that lets them tap into it directly. And you could do a plot hook that that deity, that God, that really powerful being finds out. That would be fun. I think the only stipulation that I have for like warlocks sometimes is that it has to be not a God, like other than God, a God. It can be a demigod. Well, it can be because if you if you're like tapping into a God's power, like it's very clericky. Yeah. Well, Tiamat. Yeah. But the, the thing about Tiamat, though, is. Tiamat has clerics, I, I suppose, but like the way the way Tiamat essentially functions is she kind of reminds me of a devil as opposed to a god. True. Uh, well, I mean, it could be it could be a, a devil or a demon, or it could be just somebody that's vastly powerful. Yeah, it can be an archlich, but we'll get to that. Oh, uh, son of a bitch. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yes, my next character. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> um, so taking care of the basics first, right? Uh, we get uh, 1d8 per level uh, for hit dice, uh, which, of course, you at first level, you're starting with 8 plus your constitution modifier. Uh, and then for proficiencies, we get uh, light armor, simple weapons, uh, no tools, uh, wisdom and charisma saving throws, and then you get to choose two sp- uh, skills from Arcana, Deception, History, Intimidation, Investigation, Nature, and Religion. Uh, so those are the, the basics. And then at level one, we get our otherworldly patron. Uh, you have struck a bargain with an otherworldly being of your choice the Archfey, the Fiend, the Great Old One, each of which is detailed at the end, uh, which we'll get to. Uh, and then your choice grants you features uh, at first level, sixth, tenth, and fourteenth. Robbie, mm-hmm. since you are the spell person, do you want to take Pact Magic? Yes, I'll take Pact Magic. So your arcane research and the magic bestowed on you by your people patron there you go new facility with spells so to talk about how spells are cast with the warlock we can break it down cantrips spell slots spells spells known at first level and higher so for cantrips you know two cantrips of your choice from the warlock spell list you learn additional warlock cantrips of your choice at higher levels as shown in the cantrips known volume column of the warlock table so there will be like you can find that in the back of the player's handbook or yeah in the back of the player's handbook so spell slots. The warlock table shows how many spell slots you have to cast. You have to cast your warlock spells of first through fifth level. The table also shows what the level of those slots is. All of your spell slots are the same level. 
To cast one of your Warlock spells of first level or higher, you must expend the spell slot. You regain all expended spell slots when you finish a short or long rest. So it's really easy to get confused with how this is this is worded, but here's an example to give you. When you are fifth level, you have two third level spell slots. To cast the first level of Witch Bolt, you must spend one of those slots and you cast it at third level. So the cool thing about Warlocks is most of the time, their spell slot levels are at max level already. You have very few of them, but you have, but you can, you cast all your spells at max level. Your Witch Bolt, casting at max level. Your as simpler spells, you're casting at max level based on the spell slot that you, that you pick. Most of them are usually at your max level spell slot. So that's why I really like Warlocks too. When you multi-class on them, it's really fun. So spells known at first level and higher. At first level, you know two first level spells of your choice from the Warlock spell list. The spells known column of the Warlock table shown shows when you learn more Warlock spells of your choice at first level and higher. A spell you choose must be a level no higher than what's shown in the table slot. Same, same thing with all spellcasters. Um, when you reach sixth level, for example, you learn a new Warlock spell, which can be first, second, or third level. Additionally, when you gain a level in this class, you can choose one of the Warlock spells you know and replace it with another spell from the Warlock spell list, which also must be a level for which you have spell slots. Isn't that cool? Yes. Interchangeable spells. Um, so unlike, uh, unlike say, like, uh, uh, actually, I'm not entirely sure who, um, what spellcaster is stuck with all their spells. Is it Wizards? I think it's uh, kind of, sort of, because they have the, uh, the spell book. Yeah, so they have they have a little bit extra steps to to be able to change out their spells because <laughs> they have to they have to write it in their book. Can clerics yeah. change out their spells? Yeah, I think I think once per um, long once rest. Per, yeah, like because I know that druids um, on a long rest you can like interchange spells. Um, well, because druids, it, it's like uh, you prepare your spells because druids technically yeah. know all their spells, but they just prepare certain ones so that they can cast them. So, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, getting into oh. your uh, your spell casting ability, though, before we get into the invocations, uh, yes. your your spell save DC is eight plus your proficiency bonus. Uh, which is determined by your level, and then uh, plus your charisma modifier. Warlocks mm -hmm. are charisma based, and it's kind of right. funny. Uh, and then daddy to give you things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, your spell attack modifier is your proficiency bonus plus your charisma modifier. So yeah. just just a caveat for for new players: don't let the complication of spellcasting ruin your your want to play a spellcaster. Yeah. Because it sounds confusing, mm -hmm. but honestly, this is probably the easiest besides as simple as it was in like AD&D. Yeah. Uh, this is probably the easiest they've come up with. Mm -hmm. and, and a for lot your, less math, uh, math than 3.5. It, well, everything's <laughs> a lot less math. Uh, well, that's true. <laughs> so for the story weavers, please be patient with new players. Yeah. Um, they honestly want to learn. So let them learn, give them examples, help them through it. And by helping them through it, it's going to make the process faster. Yeah. And I think, I think the basic things that you have to know for spell casting is look at the chart to see what spell slots you have. If you have spell slot, you have spell. Yep. And, and then just learning about the DC and the attack modifier, which I mean, realistically, like if you just write it on your, your character sheet uh, at each level, you know, your, uh, the eight plus your proficiency bonus and your charisma modifier, you write that, hey, spell DC is 13. Then you don't have to worry about doing the math ever again until you level up. So exactly. just just leave it. And then it simplifies a lot of a lot of things. And if I catch you being mean to new players who are trying to learn spell slots, I catch you and I'm going to curse the fuck out of you like the warlock I am. I'm going to throw something <laughs> at you. You're going to regret it. Rue the day. You will uh, rue the day. I'll tell daddy you were mean. <laughs> tell daddy you were mean. <laughs> okay, next next is the Eldritch Invocations. Okay, so this, this is one of the funner parts of, of uh, Warlocks. They're kind of add-ons to your spells. So in your study of occult lore, you have unearthed Eldritch Invocations, fragments of forbidden knowledge that imbue you at, with an abiding 
magical ability. At second level, you gain two Eldritch invocations of your choice. Your invocation options are detailed at the end of the class description. When you gain certain Warlock levels, you gain additional invocations of your choice as shown as the invocations known column of the Warlock table. Additionally, when you gain a level in this class, you can choose one of the invocations you know and replace it with another invocation that you could learn at that level. If an Eldritch invocation has prerequisites, you must meet them to learn it. You can learn invocations at the same time that you meet its prerequisites. A level prerequisite refers to uh, your level in this class. So there's a bunch of them. There I'm not, not going to read all of them off. Yeah, there are a bunch of them, but I can I can kind of briefly break them down. So a lot of the invocations can be divided into things that give you extra spell abilities, things that allow you to do things um, that are essential that are essential to kind of um, like uh, tasks. So there's some that let you understand languages. There's some that let you um, like breathe underwater. Um, there's some that extend your dark vision. And then there's the ones that increase the power level of your spells. Um, there's also like a fun line of invocations that increase Eldritch Blast for those that really want to be spicy. Um, <laughs> that do things like make your Eldritch Blast um, stronger um, or when they get hit with Eldritch Blast, it, it imposes certain like conditions on the person. So it's just, it's just how you, it gives you a lot of flexibility to how you want your Warlock to kind of look. So like um, if you want your Warlock to be uh, specialized to being like a linguist of the group, um, there's one that lets you read any language or even understand any language. There's also some, when you're talking about level prerequisites, there's also some invocations that you cannot get the invocation until you have a previous invocation that is just, it's an extension of that invocation. Like for example, I believe the one that lets you read languages, there's a one later on that you need that one in order to get like an extra piece of something else. So yeah. And some of them flat out are just your level. Like some of them, some of the, the Eldritch invocations you can't learn till your 15th level or higher. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun stuff and there's some definitely some good reading in it. I personally, I really like the, the Eldritch blast unless you cast it at 300 feet. Oh yeah, the extended Eldritch Blast. Yes, it's called Eldritch Spear. <laughs> you can cast that thing at three hundred. You're basically a sniper. Yeah, my <laughs> one of my favorite ones is the one that gives you uh, that gives you um, arcane armor. Like it, it's you can cast. Uh, what's the word for it? My brain's not remembering what the spell is called. It's, oh, mage, it's mage, mage armor in it. Mage armor. Yeah, when it gives you mage armor, but you can cast it automatically. So you don't need any verbal, somatic, or any kind of component for that. You can cast it immediately. Um, yeah, it's called Armor of Shadows. Mm -hmm. And that's one that I really, really enjoy using. Because you're squishy. Because you, you cast spells. Even though you could be a martial, you can take martial abilities. Yeah, early on, you are kind of squishy. Yeah. You're really squishy. But you're also um, access to Eldritch Blast at like first level um, gives you, like as a cantrip, gives you a lot more um gives you a bit of a head start on the other on other classes because it does a lot of damage and also the fact that you have these special abilities i, I love i love uh classes that give you first level like really strong like sorcerers and warlocks like give you first level strong abilities that give you just a little bit of an edge at first level but then it kind of tapers off at like two and three um but that's just me that's fair um, so now we get into our packed boons. Um, I guess because it's a half caster, there it's a little bit more simplified. I don't know if you agree, Bone Daddy. Uh, but at third level, uh, your otherworldly patron bestows a gift upon you for your loyal service. You gain one of the following features of your choice. There's a pact of the chain where you learn the fine familiar spell uh, and can cast it as a ritual. The spell doesn't cost against your number of spells known, which is nice. Uh, and you can, uh, when you cast the spell, you can choose one of the normal forms for your familiar or one of the following special forms, an imp, a pseudo dragon, a quasit, or a sprite. Uh, additionally, when you take the, uh, the attack action, you can forego one of your own attacks to allow your familiar to make one attack of its own. Uh, so that's fun. Mm -hmm. 
I do um, like the familiar part of it. It's pretty fun. Yeah, and especially, I mean, the the familiar in itself can be very helpful if you're creative enough. Uh, but it also just gives a lot of uh, RP ability to me. Yeah. So. Well, with the Pact of the Chain, um, there's remember who we were talking about invocations. Because mm-hmm. actually, if you pick Pack of the Chain, you unlock an extra invocation, which allows you to do like special things with your familiar. Um, and also, like, it lets you um, access more combat abilities for your familiar. Also, like, make them stronger, like, buff them up and stuff. That's uh, Pack of the Chain was one of the first Warlocks that I, I used, and it was really fun. Like, yeah. having familiar kind of just. Yeah, uh, it's it's in a it's in a side a side box uh, in the player's handbook. Uh, but what you're talking about there, the pack of the chain, your familiar is more cunning than a typical familiar. Its default form can be a reflection of your patron uh, with sprites and pseudo dragons tied to the archfey and imps and quasits tied to the fiend. Uh, because the great old one's nature is inscrutable, any familiar form is suitable for it. Um so I mean it's it's more cunning. It's you you can have conversations with your familiar. It's it's yeah, RP. Yeah. RP heavy RP. All kinds of RP. Uh, uh Thorne, do you want to take Pact of the Blade? Pact of the Blade. So you can use your action to create a packed weapon in your empty hand. You can choose the form this that this melee weapon takes each time you create it. See the weapon section for weapon options. Uh, you are proficient with it when you while you wield it. The weapon counts as a mag- as magical for the pers- purpose of overcoming resistance and immunity immunity to non magical attacks and damage. Your packed weapon disappears if it is more than five feet away from you for one minute or more. It also disappears if you use this feature again. If you dismiss the weapon, no action required, or if you die. You can transform one magic weapon into your packed weapon by performing a special ritual to ho- while you hold the weapon. You perform the ritual over the course of one hour, which can be done during a short rest. You can then dismiss the weapon, shunting it into an extra dimensional space, and it appears whenever you create your packed weapon thereafter. You can't affect an artifact or a sentient weapon in this way. The weapon ceases being your packed weapon if you die, if you perform the one-hour ritual on a different weapon, or if you use a one-hour ritual to break your bond to it. The weapon appears at your feet if it is in the extra extra dimensional space when the bond breaks. So this is this is fun. If, if you if listeners you have seen Critical Role, um, Travis played a uh, Pact of the Blade in I think Campaign Two, um, and it was cool because the way the way that he summoned his sword, it came out of a, like a, a mystical puddle of water. And it was a, a a falchion. He was like a pseudo pirate, and it was fun to to see the uh, the or to hear about the description of the falchion coming out of the water and it always being wet and things like that. And that's that's something that you know if you're if you're gonna describe something, make it cool for yourself. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bone Daddy, you want to take back to the tome? Yes, I would love to. So Daddy gives you a book. Um, your pay, <laughs> your patron. <laughs> Sorry, your patron gives you a, grim- a grimoire um, called the Book of Shadows. When you gain this feature, choose three cantrips from any class's spell list. The three needn't be the same spell. While the book is on your person, you can cast those cantrips at will. They don't count against the number of cantrips known. If you don't, if they don't appear on the warlock spell list, they are nonetheless warlock spells for you. If you lose your Book of Shadows, you can perform one, a one-hour ceremony to receive a replacement from your patron. The ceremony can be performed during a short or long rest, and it destroys the previous book. The book turns to ash when you die. So basically, That's your cool. your daddy uh, punishes you uh, when you lose your Book of Shadows, yeah. and he forces you to do one hour of um, essay writing yeah. uh, to uh, to get a new one. Yeah, you're just like, Daddy, please. I need more cantrips, Daddy. And he's just like, here's the list of cantrips. Have you been good today? Have you drank water? Um, you're like, yes. He gives you a... Gives that's, you the th- that's the wrong Daddy. Uh, Have uh, you hydrated? Hydrated <laughs> today? <laughs> um, so we always read it, but 
we always suggest something else. But anyway, the ability score in improvement you can get at fourth level, uh, eighth, twelfth, sixteenth, and nineteenth level. Which of course you can increase one ability score of your choice by two, or you can in increase two ability scores of your choice by one, and you can't increase the ability score above twenty per usual. However, you can also choose to do a feat. And I will, I will always recommend doing feats. Uh, newer players, it is easier to do ability scores. But honestly, if you just read the feat list and say, oh, wow, that sounds cool. Do it. Just, I mean. <laughs> and nine times out of ten, you get an ability score improvement out of the feat anyway. Yeah, yeah. normally normally it's, it's much more fun to pick feats also because they usually give you a lot more impressive abilities on top of the ability score. Half the time it comes with an ability score improvement. So yeah, like off the top of my head, keen mind, uh, you're basically like a a, a robot uh because you uh you always know where north is, you uh remember everything from the last 30 days, um, and then you get a intelligence or wisdom score increase by one. So you're still getting the score, but you get, you know. Uh, you always know like what time it is, what what direction you're going, and uh, remember everything from the last thirty days. So it kind of helps, uh, and also to the chagrin of of the uh, the dungeon master. Usually, it's, hey, uh, I remember the last thirty days, so I'm not gonna take notes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Just what does my character remember? And you're like, damn it! All right, here you go. <laughs> I I personally uh, am a fa big fan of alert. Uh, yes just because you can't be you can't have sneak attack performed on you and you get a plus five to your initiative yeah that is huge and then yeah. on top of that i really like tavern brawler i love the fact that yeah. you get your unarmed strike improves because if you don't have a weapon like if you all are stuck in a situation where there's no weapon your unarmed strike um and improvised weapons improve but also it does give you a plus to your strength score yeah and listen with tavern brawler like i mean you you could technically be a wwe fighter because you know hey chairs improvise exactly. weapon. <laughs> hey, uh, tables tables <laughs> yeah but they're not folding tables i don't know that's okay <laughs> just if make sure you turn the if legs you're a barbarian outward. you could still pick it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh all right um I'll take uh, Mystic Arcanum, and then Thorn, you can take uh, Eldritch Master. Uh, at 11th level, your patron bestows upon you a magical secret called an Arcanum. Uh, choose one 6th level spell from the Warlock spell list as this Arcanum. Uh, you can cast your Arcanum spell with, once without expending a spell slot, which is huge. Uh, you must finish a long rest before you can do so again. At higher levels, you can gain more Warlock spells. Uh, one 7th level at 13 eight at 15th level, a ninth level spell at 17th level. You regain, regain all uses of your Mystic Arcanum when you finish a long rest. That alone makes Warlocks important. <laughs> like oh, yeah. at, at higher level campaigns, if you're an 11th or above, like casting a sixth level spell for free, like that's insanity. When you get to 17th level, you're, you're casting Power Word Kill for fun. Like, I mean, like, or the equivalent to it, because I don't think Power Word Kill is actually a Warlock spell. But you're casting a ninth level spell for free one time. And that's uh, that's just ginormous. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so which one do you want me to take? The Eldritch Master. Oh, yeah. At 20th level, you can draw on your inner reserve of mystical power while entreating your patron to regain expended spell slots. You can spend one minute in treating your patron for aid to regain all your expended spell slots from your packed magic feature. Once you regain spell slots with this feature, you must finish a long rest before you can do so again. So th this isn't something you use in battle. Yeah. Battle is six seconds per turn. So that's 10 turns before you get them back. Yeah. No, this is something where you're, you know, getting ready to fight a BBEG and you've expended everything to get there. Yep. Yeah. Then you entreat for a minute and get your spell slots. Then you go fight the BBEG. Uh, but it's really a powerful thing. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're talking about huge spell slots now. Yeah. And you're not having to, to do really a, a rest. Like it takes one yeah. minute, you know. So even a short rest takes longer. And off the top of my head, I, I don't think very many people get anything at short 
rests. I think it's just warlocks, right? Yeah, warlocks get them yeah. at short rest. I don't know if any of the others do. So I, I think it's just the long rest, which mm-hmm. you know, per uh, you know, uh, red is written. Uh, it's eight hours for a long rest, or uh, two hours if you're an elf. So, and, and the honest is, if you're right outside the room of the BBG, you're not going to be camping for eight hours. No, yeah. you're not even going to be allowed to. Like honestly, like as yeah. as a story weaver, if if you run into that issue uh where players are like you know especially if you're doing a like let's say a dungeon delve um uh, even the very first adventure that a lot of people play is is uh the mines of fandelver if you're going through the the mines and your players are starting to you know barricade doors and and take uh rests in between so that they can have all their stuff back you need to add encounters start having things happen while they're asleep um and break up their their long rest just so that they're not able to get all their spells back don't be don't be super mean about it but you know try and get it to where they're realizing that hey a long rest in the middle of the mines where there's uh creatures and and monsters going around um they can't do that (laughs) um and then also you have to have you know like a uh a, a watch guard throughout the night and the players can decide uh, who takes watch and then switch out. And if they forget, or if, you know, you do some kind of role, cause I'm the kind of person that would have them roll to see if they fall asleep because it's been a long day and they're so tired. Uh, maybe the guard falls asleep and something happens. You never yeah. know. <laughs> or you can be like super mean about it and have them, um, if they barricade themselves in, um, have like a creature roaming around that like, takes on the voices of people they're familiar with and stands at the door scratching and trying to get them to open the door and then have them roll roll like constitution saves god that's really mean or you (laughs) could just be like absorbently mean depending on your area and just have a purple worm burrow underneath them (laughs) or have spiders crawl out the walls or have a ghost come through the door face spiders there's all kinds of things there's so many ideas yeah as as story weavers just uh, I don't want to necessarily say punish your players for taking a long rest, but punish your players for taking a long rest. Like it's just, if you're in a dungeon, I, I feel like if I was in a dungeon and I had just finished a battle, I don't think I would be like, Oh yeah, I'm safe enough to sleep. Like, that's fine. I don't think that you would. So just make it to where they don't feel like the players don't feel like their characters are safe. That's it. Go. And that's it. Uh, so now otherworldly patrons, we get to talk a little bit about, about those um well i i don't know i like the the next one which is probably my favorite but the archfey your patron is a lord or lady of the fey a creature of legend who holds secrets that were forgotten before the mortal races were born this begin uh, this being's motivations are often inscrutable and sometimes whimsical and might involve a striving for greater magical power or the settling of age-old grudges uh, beings of this sort include the pr- uh, Prince of Frost, the Queen of Air and Darkness, ruler of the Gloaming Court, uh, Titania uh, of the Summer Court, her consort Oberon, the Green Lord, Hearsome, the Prince of Fools, and Ancient Hags. Uh, ancient Hags are really fun. Yeah. Uh, I was a warlock pa- uh, patron of Titania. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, but uh, expanded spell list. Uh, the Archfey lets you choose from an expanded list of spells uh, that you can learn as a warlock spell, uh, which uh, just really quick. It's fairy fire and sleep at first level, calm emotions and phantasmal force at second, blink and plant growth at third, uh, dominate beast and greater invisibility at fourth and dominate person and seeming at fifth level. Um, and if you want to know about those spells, you can Google them because it's way too long to read all of the spells. And never discount fairy fire. People think it's crap, but I actually know it's, it's quite so useful. Handy. It's <laughs> quite handy. <laughs> you know, maybe we should do an episode just on like a, a few spells that are like, oh, hey, yeah. these are the sleeper spells. <laughs> yeah, it's spells that people just hate. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I think it's just because it sounds like it's very fire, but it it prevents you from. <laughs> it makes all attacks on you uh, 
uh what's it called with a disadvantage no with advantage yeah you get advantage oh yeah you get advantage advantage. yeah and then any um they can't be invisible anymore yeah it's harder to hide because you're glowing now yeah i think a lot of it has to do with um especially at the beginning when 5e first came out going from 3.5 and 4e um a lot of it was like what what is the thing that i can do the most damage with and fairy fire doesn't do damage so it i guess when you're looking at your your toolbox if you're specifically looking at just damage then okay fine fairy fire might not help as much but it's tactical as hell exactly because if all you're worried about is uh damage I'm throwing every invisible creature at you, bar none. And you're going to have trouble doing that damage. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, Bone Daddy, do you want to take Fae Presence? I do, because Fae Presence is actually one of my favorite things to do when I play an Archfiend Warlock. Fae Presence, starting at first level, your your patron... Pa- yeah, you had it. <laughs> your patron bestows upon you the ability to project the beguiling and fearsome presence of the Fae. As an action, you can cause each creature in a 10-foot cube originating from you to make a wisdom saving throw against your Warlock spell save DC. The creatures that fail their saving throw are either charmed or frightened by you. Your choice until your end of your next turn. Once you use this feature, you can't use it until you finish a short or long rest. One thing that people really sleep about Fae Presence is they think of it in a more tactical sense. Like you're walking into a room, you charm people who are attacking you, or you frighten people away. When yeah, I played, yeah. when I played an Archfiend Warlock, Archfiend. Um, who had a, who was a, this was before the Creature of the Deep one came out, the, yeah. the Warlock of the Deep. Um, I played a, an Arch, an Archfae, sorry, not Archfiend, Archfae, an Archfae who lived in the ocean, who was, whose body looked like a, um, that looked like an anglerfish. Oh, so that's cool. My, yeah, my, my, uh, the warlock that I was playing, she had a gemstone that was like that was that looked like a gemstone, but it was soft and squishy and it glowed. Mm-hmm. And one time we were in the middle of a forest in a survival one, and I had her walk into the middle of a lake and cast Fae Presence and charm all the fish <laughs> the lake, so that way they could just get pulled out of the water to eat. Nice. <laughs> I mean, that's hey, that is creative that's, as hell. That's like a it's it, it says it's what you want to use. It's like because you it's everything in a ten foot cube. Like you can cause each creature in a ten foot cube. So, um, like wasps, bees. Like if someone casts a spell that summons a creature around you, remember, like you have, like your fate presence can charm them as well. So you can prevent them from attacking you. Eat them for lunch. They were good. They were good fish. So that's fair. Hmm? Next uh, is Misty Escape. Mm-hmm. This is one of my, it's one of my favorites of them. It's really a, a good thing. I like it a lot. It's starting at six level. You can vanish in a puff of mist in response to harm. So it's kind of like Misty Step, but when somebody hurts you. When you take damage, you can use your reaction to turn invisible and teleport up to 60 feet to an unoccupied space you can see. You remain invisible until the start of your next turn or until you attack or cast a spell. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish short or long rest. So See, this is crazy. Yeah, you could literally appear behind whoever attacked you. Yeah. And, and if it, you have a level in the in rogue, ooh, that's sneak attack. Yeah. And it, it's it, it's important because, like we were saying, that warlocks are a little bit better at being frontline. If if you frontline and you know this person attacks and you go, oh shit, that was a lot of damage, you can get away. <laughs> <laughs> and start doing some ranged attacks. <laughs> yep, and that's sixty foot away, and it's usually with somebody on the front line. It's usually out of their range, right? And it doesn't uh, do. Uh, uh, yeah, you don't get the attack opportunity. Of opportunity. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, uh, and it's nice that it's a reaction. You're not doing it like on your turn. It's just a, yep. oh shit, this is happening. Uh, beguiling defenses. Beginning at tenth level, your patron teaches you how to turn the mind-affecting magic of your enemies against them. You are immune to being charmed, and when another uh, creature attempts to charm you, you can use your reaction to attempt to charm uh, to turn the charm back on that creature. The creature must succeed on a Wisdom saving throw against your spell DC, or be charmed by you for one minute or until the creature takes any damage. That has RP and combat capabilities. All wrapped into a cute little yep. bundle, 
with a little bow on top. Uh, being immune to something is Fine. stupid good. Yeah, it, I mean, the closest thing that you get is like if you're an elf, you have advantage against those those charm spells. But being immune, you're just like, ah, fuck you. It's fine. I'm done. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't like your charm. It's cute, but no. Uh, <laughs> and and that could be an RP thing. Uh, or there are a lot of creatures that use charm uh, as a as a weapon and try to use you against you know your your party and and whatnot. So being able to be yeah. a immune and then turn it back on them uh, could be really fun. Especially if there's like little uh, minions and things and it's not just the one creature, you can use that charm to your advantage. Uh, Bone Daddy, take Dark Delirium. Ooh, Dark Delirium. <laughs> um, starting at 14th level, you can plunge a creature into a lo- an illusionary realm. As an action, choose a creature that you can see within 60 feet of you and must make a wisdom saving throw against your warlock spell save DC. On a fail save, it is either charmed or frightened by you, your choice, for one minute or until your concentration is broken, as if you're concentrating on a spell. This effect ends early if the creature takes any damage. So essentially, until the illusion ends, the creature thinks it's lost in a misty realm, the appearance of which you choose. The creature can see and hear only itself, you, and the illusion. You must finish a, long, a short or long rest before you can use this feature again. I have a very big problem with this. This is a very big flaw in my head. Tell me. Um, it's 90, so, no, not 90%. That's a, that's a big leap. But like <laughs> 80 to 75% of the monster's manual, creatures are immune to frightened and charmed. <laughs> Or yeah, yeah. have advantage against frightened and charmed as a fourteenth level feature. For a, it should. I feel like there should be a stipulation in this that even if the creature's immune to frightened or charmed, they can still become frightened and charmed. That would be something to add as a story weaver, like a homebrew rule. That'd be good. Because like, I, if I could see it adding that like at seventeenth level. Yeah, like I mean, if you're if you're fighting like a, for example, devils. So funny story when I was playing in a game with someone, I have a lot of funny stories about playing warlocks. Um, funny story when I was playing in a game with someone, we were playing a high level campaign, and one of the one of the missions we went on was to go fight devils, in like that were taking over like but really high level devils, right? And I was playing a mermaid who was actually a siren, and her whole thing was she could charm people, she could charm and frighten you, like that was her whole thing. All her spells were geared towards it. Mm-hmm. I was utterly useless. <laughs> like, I don't, I've never felt so useless in like, um, like I could heal people. Like I had like a healing spell with me, I think. Right. And like, I had my combat ability, but by gosh, the, um, <laughs> since devils are immune to charm. <laughs> so I forgot that. And so I kept trying to cast my charm spells and I was like, why is this working? And the story we were was like, you're trying to charm devils? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as a story weaver, you can add that. And like Thorne said, if you don't think that 14th level is the right time, if you want to do it at 17th level as just a caveat uh, thing, like, hey, at 17th level, it's going to be a magic charm that breaks through immunities. That's mm-hmm. cool, man. And that's it. Like that's yep. that's the way to make your player still feel useful because I mean exactly yeah don't raises, don't be bone daddy <laughs> it raises the fun factor because I mean at that level honestly if if you're if seventy five percent of the of the things you're gonna fight um are immune to your charm or you're gonna encounter people who are immune to charm and frighten making it so that way you're so you've gained so much power from the fae that you can like get past that stipulation. I just think it's a lot more fun for your players, honestly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's RP as well, you know, cause like you've, you can uh, stylize it, you know, like, Oh, well I've, I've become closer to my, my Fae heritage or, or closer to my patron at the very least. And I have been given this power to, to blast through, you know, immunities. That's um, Hey, it's an arch fade. They do a lot. <laughs> exactly. I mean, an arch fade is not going to let you being immune to their charm prevent them from charming you. Like, yeah. They're just going to say you're not immune 
and and then you're charmed. You yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I think it's funny. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna try and read these a little bit quicker because we've got two more and there's a, a lot. Uh, so uh, the fiend. You have made a pact with a fiend from the lower planes of existence, a being whose aims are evil, even if you strive against those aims. That's all I'm reading of that. Uh, but that two sentence thing or one sentence, it's kind of a run on uh, that has so much RP potential, especially if you're playing a warlock that is getting powers from a fiend and you're striving to go against the aims of, of the fiend. I, I just, that, that sounds fun. Um, you get an expended spell lust, um, and at level one, you get Dark One's Blessing. When you reduce a hostile creature to zero hit points, you gain temporary hit points equal to your charisma modifier plus your warlock level, a minimum of one. That's nice at first level. That's not bad. No, and it can add up. Oh, yeah. Uh, dark One's Own Luck. Starting at sixth level, you can call on your patron to alter fate in your favor. When you make an ability check or saving throw, you can use this feature to add a D10 to your roll. Uh, you can do this after seeing after seeing the initial roll, but before any of the rolls effects occur, which I really like. And of course, you know, once per short or long rest, um, I'm always for anything that's going to help your rolls. Yeah, exactly. So. And then fiendish resilience. Starting at 10th level, you choose one damage type when you finish a short or long rest. You gain resistance to that damage type until you choose a different one with this feature. Damage from magical weapons or silver weapons, ignore this resistance. That's something I'd also probably take out too because that's a 10th level feature. Like, why does it have the stipulation that magic weapons and silver weapons ignore this resistance? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I could see it being another thing that we add like at a at maybe even 14th level be like, hey, that caveat at the end of that, that fiendish resilience, it's gone. Um because i mean you're right like especially at 10th level a lot of the creatures that you're fighting their attacks count as magic weapons so you don't gain resistance it's yeah it, it makes a lackluster i'd go even so far to say about 90 percent of what you're fighting at that level yeah are considered magical weapons yeah so i i think that that was a, a uh, i don't know i don't want to say it was a blunder on watsi's part but it kind of was um so I, I would take that out. Uh, Hurl through hell. Uh, starting at 14th level, when you hit a creature with an attack, you can use this feature to instantly transport the target through the lower planes. The creature <laughs> disappears and hurdles through a nightmare landscape. At the end of your next turn, the target returns to the space it previously occupied or the nearest unoccupied space. If the target is not a fiend, it takes 10 d10 psychic damage as it reels from its horrific experience you basically blow the mind of somebody <laughs> at 14th level just be like hey i want you to see hell and <laughs> just <laughs> gone <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious it's looking into the abyss and yeah. thinking fuck yeah. Imagine if you're in the middle of combat and like you're fighting somebody and then you hurl them through hell. Like you're fighting like a group of people. And yeah. You hurl one of them through hell. I wouldn't make the other ones roll like a constitution check just to be like, we're done. Oh, dude. yeah. Oh, like, like, uh, or at least like a frightened, uh, uh, you know, thing or something. I don't know. Like, oh, I could see it like a, a big oval of smoke and mist and you just literally like push it towards them. And they're fine and dandy. And then on the other side, they're just like sweating and like clothes are torn and they're just looking straight ahead going, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's it's like uh, when when Bone Daddy died in the first episode or session <laughs> of uh, Arc 2, um, when his new character came in, the, the NPC that had been banished uh, with the banish spell uh, came back and it had this like thousand yard stare because he got sent to the plane of dread um or the domain of dread and uh then his head exploded and yeah yeah <laughs> um, like uh it essentially um saw like rips him apart because she had shrunk herself yeah and, and like and she was just essentially his head and chest exploded like she just ripped herself out of him 
It was just ridiculous. Uh, I know this is your favorite Bone Daddy, so I'll let you read the description of the great yeah. old one. <laughs> Are you okay? Um, yes, I am. <laughs> um, oh, yes. Uh, the great old one. Your patron is a mysterious entity whose nature is utterly foreign to the fabric of reality. It might come from the far realm, the space between realities, or it could be one of the elder gods known only in legend. Its motives are incomprehensible to mortals, and its knowledge so immense and ancient that even the greatest libraries pale in comparison to the vast secrets it holds. The Great Old One might be unaware of your existence or entirely indifferent to you, but the secrets you have learned allow you to draw your magic from it. <laughs> it's like you, you've gazed, it's, you've seen the unseeable, like the un, uncomprehendable, yeah. And it's just like ripped your head into. It's like you're you you now have access to the far planes like existence. Nothing makes sense to you anymore. And I love it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh and again, of course, you do get an expanded spell list. Um and then at first level, awakened mind, uh, your alien knowledge gives you the ability to touch the minds of other creatures. You can communicate telepathically with any creature you can see within 30 feet of you. You don't need to share a language with the creature for it to understand your uh, telepathic utterances, but the creature must be able to understand at least one language. That's actually really important because there's a lot of caveats usually that you have to share a language. Uh, when you're doing telepathic, like even I think the telepathic spell, you still need to know a language. This one is just to, nah. <laughs> they have to be able to understand you essentially. Like they like you have to be able to speak to them in some in a, in something they can understand. Yeah. But this yeah. one's like, hey, no worries. Yeah. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> At sixth level, entropic ward. You learn to magically ward yourself against attack and turn an enemy's failed strike into good luck for yourself. When a creature makes an attack roll against you, you can use your reaction to impose damage on that roll. If the attack misses you, your next attack roll against the creature has advantage if you make it before the end of your next turn. Of course, short or long rest before you can use it again. That's handy as hell. Yeah, that's just yeah. that's huge. Even with the you know short, long rest, I mean, even using it once, that could be the turn of an entire battle. Yep. Exactly. Um, a uh, Illidine, you can go ahead and take Thought Shield if you let me take the last one because I love the last one. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> uh, starting at 10th level, Thought Shield. Your thoughts can't be read by tele uh, telepathy or other means unless you allow it. You also have resistance to psychic damage, and whenever a creature deals psychic damage to you, that creature takes the same amount of damage that you do. <laughs> so... <laughs> I love that um, because at 10th level, there are a lot of creatures, a lot of creatures that do psychic damage, um, the mind flayers being one of them. Uh, and you just have resistance, which means uh, that you take half damage and that half damage that you take bounces back to the creature that dealt it. So, hey, uh, as a story weaver, you might want to RP it that maybe the creature doesn't want to start. Uh, aiming at this person anymore because for whatever yeah. reason uh, it hurts. <laughs> um, and then we have my favorite create thrall. Hey kids, you want to start a cult? Um, <laughs> at 14th level, you gain the ability to infect the humanoid's mind with an alien magic of your patron. You can use your action to touch an incapacitated humanoid. The creature is then charmed by you until a remove curse spell is cast on it and the charm condition is removed from it or you use this feature again. You can communicate telepathically with the charmed creature as long as two, the two of you are the same plane of existence. That's, it's like, it's like fine familiar on steroids and also like, it's just fun. I, I think it's absolutely fun to like somebody for a villain to be knocked out and then you're like, oh, now you're my thrall. Yeah, I'm like, uh, let's follow me around everywhere because you've drove them in completely insane. Yeah. And because they're charmed, they're not going to uh, think that they're charmed. They mm -hmm. just think that it's it's basically like they're they're of their own volition following you now. Um, so, you know, as a story weaver, you could play it like if you're uh, if it's a small time BBEG um, that has been charmed. It could just be how, I mean, 
they they beat me in combat. I kind of owe it to them. You know, you could you could play it like now because they want to be more powerful. They want to follow your party uh, to gain that that power. And you could still think of it as maybe being subversive, subversive. But meanwhile, they're actually just charmed and they're going to follow whatever they the person says. Exactly. And I would also create the stipulation that if something is immune to charmed, it's not immune to charmed when it's incapacitated. Yeah, I mean, that's that. That's just it'd be mean. <laughs> yeah, like, like, oh, I want to make this devil like my like thrall, and then it's like, oh, but they're immune to charm, but it's knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and then it's I don't even think because it the way that it's worded, it's not like it's not like charmed as if by a, a charm spell. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's charmed by you. Like that's just, it is, you know, so uh, final thoughts for warlocks. What do we think? Thorn? I actually, I, I tend to like these warlocks. Uh, like I said, it's probably my more, more favorite of the magic users. I, I particularly like the Archfey. Mm-hmm. I think the Archfey is a solid winner for me. Because I'm not confused and in hell like Bone Daddy is. Yeah. And, <laughs> but no, I think there's a lot of fun to be had, a lot of good RP. And it's, it's a solid, pl- it's a solid class. It really is. Bone Daddy? Ooh, um, I love Warlocks. Like, it's, it, it comes from the fact that most of my, most of my love for horror comes from weird horror that has to do with like HP Lovecraft themes. Um, eldritch beings and like the the idea of madness and like what it is to go crazy and I just it it's such a cool exploration of that when you play like a warlock of the great old one because that's the idea like you've yeah. been driven entirely insane and it's just fun to see people come up with ways of what insanity looks like to them and I really enjoy it um I know that um I know that uh, Thorne didn't play a do you played a warlock last time, right? In my campaign, but it wasn't this warlock, correct? No, I didn't play a warlock. It wasn't a warlock. It was, it was a, a druid. Druid. There we go. But you had very it had kind of warlock tendencies, but yeah, it was like, very based on um, yeah a, a fiend basically. Yeah. Um, and then you were playing like madness, and I really enjoy when people play madness because I love to see what madness looks like to other people because I'm weird. <laughs> It's and apparently out. my madness screams out leader so everybody followed me yeah i was really i was like you <laughs> i let them i mean they I, <laughs> it, they were they were all gonna die i mean it's I was just like sure whatever <laughs> shout out to that party <laughs> yeah boy uh you know, final thoughts for me. Uh, I actually really now reading it again. I do like warlocks. I haven't played a warlock in ages, uh, but uh, I, yeah, I'm going to use it for sure. And I also, while we were uh, reading the great old one, I kind of had a uh, an idea for um, throwing some NPCs your way uh, in this campaign. So uh, good luck to you. Worth uh, it. <laughs> but. Uh, in any case, this is the Warlock subclasses of the Player's Handbook. Um, as you can tell, it was a lot to read. And this is that was like still speed reading. We didn't read the invocations. We didn't read the spell lists of everything. Um, and we're not going to because that's a lot. Um, we could make a separate episode about it. We could. And uh, uh, I will make this a... a shameless plug on how to get you guys to uh interact with the podcast shoot us an email at this dungeon is occupied podcast at gmail.com or uh send us a a comment or something in one of the uh the ways that you get your platforms or on facebook let us know that you want us to talk about uh the spells uh and invocations individually uh and kind of give you a detailed list if you guys don't do that we're not gonna do it uh but we will do an episode of uh tasha's and xanathar's uh subclasses for warlocks as well so look forward to that episode uh and without further ado remember to check your dungeons because this dungeon is occupied 
What's up, Weavers of the Realm? As always, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you haven't already, click that like button and subscribe or follow us on your chosen platforms. It goes a long way to help us grow. Uh, and if you liked the intro music that we just used, it was made with the help of The Hobby Hub on YouTube and Saturn Imaging Production Company. Uh, also, if you want exclusive content like NPC of the Week, Discord access, and behind the scenes, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash thisdungeonisoccupiedpodcast. And of course, the link to our merch store, social medias, and all the other podcast uh, platforms are available on our link tree in the show notes. Good luck in your games, steal everything, and have fun.